0: Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today we continue our studies in 1 Thessalonians, Paul, the Gospel and the Church. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at The Vine Church Heart. We'd love for you to join us over there. Good morning to you. Welcome. Um, Now, any of you who are gardeners will perhaps recognise what this is. Um, Kate uses these and uh, they're just these little plugs. Now, if you put them onto a saucer and you pour some water onto them, apparently it's better if it's warm water, uh, then uh, you leave it and you will visibly watch it grow. And so I'll leave it here and see if it does that for us. But you put your seed in it and uh, it then is a plug in which you can just transplant it. Um, I don't understand all that stuff, you know, but it expands into something which is a plug for your seeds to grow in. And um, we've been looking at the shortest verse in the Bible, uh, Rejoice Always, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. And yet we've expanded it into six Easter reflections on the subject of joy. Uh, so we will move on to the rest of 1 Thessalonians after today. But we have kind of stopped and we've let this little tiny verse expand into something of an exploration on the vital subject of joy. Now, the last couple of days I or on Tuesday, I spoke about how joy can be eclipsed that uh, notice by the way that it tells us to rejoice always. It doesn't actually say have joy always. You can rejoice always, you can choose to do that. You can't necessarily make yourself have joy always, but you can sometimes rejoice your way into joy. So today we're gonna look at how we can fully restore true joy. And I've already said that um, there are a couple of things that can sort of eclipse our joy temporarily. And uh, I said that one of those, I won't go through them right now. One of those is when we see others in pain, we mourn with those who mourn. And so we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we mourn with those who mourn. Uh, and thanks to Dave Harper, who's just said that the cat walks over his phone. Um, the second thing that we can uh, find our joy eclipsed by is uh, the pain that we see, we experience in ourselves through suffering, uh, through suffering uh, in our own lives and seeing suffering in the world and seeing the world as a messed up place. And we can find that whilst there is joy like this sun that is deeply embedded in the substructure of our lives. Nevertheless, that sun, that joy can be partially or even for a short while, almost completely eclipsed by the by the moon of kind of pain and grief and so on. Now, today I want to explore one final thing that should eclipse at times our joy, and that is our own sin. Now, at this point, don't turn off. Okay, I hope that it will help you. Our own sin. And I want to look at a few verses. The first one, if you've got a Bible, I've put them in the notes this morning, is in Isaiah 22 and uh, verse, uh, uh, verse 12. It says there we've got these people, these people in Jerusalem who are sinning and God wants them to turn to him. And he says, the Lord Almighty called you on that day to weep and to wail, to tear out your hair and put on sackcloth. But see, There is joy and revelry, slaughtering of cattle and killing of sheep, eating of meat and drinking of wine. Let us eat and drink, you say, for tomorrow we die. So here are these people who God has called to wail and to mourn over their sin, and yet they are having a party. They are rejoicing with food and wine. And the irony is that the joy they are having is temporary. And they know that it is temporary. They say, eat and drink for tomorrow. We die. They know it's not going to last. And the tragedy is that they could have lasting joy. If they would only put on sackcloth and turn from their sins and mourn, they would find true lasting joy. But they won't do it. The next verse I want us to look at is in Psalm 51. Psalm 51. And there, of course, we know that David has just been found out by the prophet Nathan having committed adultery with Bathsheba and arranged for the death of her husband. And now he tells us that he is crushed in his bones, uh, that his bones have been crushed. He is deeply aware of his sinfulness through and through, right through from birth, before he was born. There is this just this tendency towards rebellion and sinfulness and he is now coming to God and in verse 11 he says let me hear joy and gladness let the bones that you have crushed rejoice hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity and in verse 11 he says Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, it's worth noting here that you can choose to lose your joy through the things you choose to do, whether that's harboring unforgiveness or having a pity party, or indulging in too much drink or whatever. You can choose to do things that will inevitably rob you of joy. But you can't choose to just take joy back as if it's in a bottle and you can just drink joy and just take it on tap. You have to ask God to restore your joy. That's what he does. He says, Lord, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Don't take your spirit from me. We come to God in dependence and we do the right things. We turn to him, we cast off sin, but then we ask him to restore our joy as he reminds us of how he has removed our sin through his grace and through the death of Jesus now i have uh want to just say something here which is this that i think god is trigger happy with mercy he has to be provoked into judgment he is long suffering he is slow to anger. God does not rejoice in inflicting pain. It's not his natural work, it is his strange work. He naturally, he does not enjoy afflicting men, it tells us in Ezekiel 18 and Lamentations 3. But God is trigger happy with mercy. He is quick to come to us with mercy. I said the other day that God has unlimited patience, and I just want to qualify that because his patience. There is a point at which God will say, actually, no, enough. God will be provoked, but he will quickly come with mercy. It's like the prodigal son. The father is watching and waiting. And the moment he sees a glimpse of his son coming over the horizon, repentance towards him, the father does everything else, runs to him and embraces him. God is quick. And so therefore, whilst we cannot cause our joy, forced joy to come back, We know that God will quickly come to us and restore our joy, as he says here. And so the thing that we can do is what David does here. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. You see. Is there anything right now that you need to be broken over, contrite over, that you need to just have a real confession time to God and tell him the things that need to be changed in your life? Give them to God and then let him come and do the rest. Now, one final verse, and it's quite quick really, is in James. And in James chapter 4, you see, you might say, well, what I've been speaking about today sounds terribly Old Testament. It's all that judgment and sin and all that stuff. Surely Jesus has dealt with all of that. We don't need to worry about sin, do we? Well, James tells us in James chapter 4, and he's speaking to a people who are worldly Christians, Christians who are quarrelling and killing and coveting, Christians who hang have wrong motives in their lives Christians who are adulterous people who have a friendship with the world and it tells us in verse 8 come near to God and he will come near to you wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double minded grieve mourn and wail change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom humble yourselves before the lord and he will lift you up. We're told there to humble ourselves before God, to change our mourning, our laughter to mourning, temporarily to come to him and express those things to him. And then it tells us there is a promise here, come near to God and he will come near to you. There is a promise in verse 10 humble yourselves, and he will lift you up. He will restore your joy. So let us pray together for more joy. Lord, we ask you for that. We humbly confess our sin and our rottenness to you. We ask you to search our hearts. We want to be broken about the things that you are broken about. We want to ask you to change us, to transform us, to continue to sanctify us through and through. And Lord, as we do that, we have joy and yet pain at the same time. And then, Lord, we know that you will Give us more joy and we pray that it will be a virtuous circle in our lives of more and more joy growing within us and spilling out from us to those around. We ask this in Jesus name. Amen.